What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fitness Stuff for Normal People podcast. I'm Mariana. And I'm Tony. And the truth is, the fitness industry right now is not what it could be. It's become something built on unrealistic expectations, aesthetics, external validation, directing attention away from what actually matters. The bottom line is, we're not trying to provide just another fitness podcast, but completely change the fitness industry for the better by providing you with the knowledge and tools to give you confidence in applying the best possible evidence-based training and nutrition into your own lives. Where today, we'll be talking about the top five reasons you're not gaining muscle and getting stronger. We did a very popular episode several months back on the top five reasons why you're not losing weight, and now we're doing the flip side of the coin. These are the top five reasons that can either make it so much harder or impossible to gain muscle and strength, even if you're doing everything else right. So I'm excited about this one. I hope you guys are too. Before we get into it, if you really liked this episode, the podcast in general, the easiest way you can support us is by leaving us a five-star review wherever you're listening and follow us on Spotify. And if you want more after each episode, join us over on Premium for just five bucks a month where you get a bonus episode every single Friday where we answer your questions that is less than a pumpkin spice latte at starbucks and it'll last longer than 10 minutes but we do a bonus weekly episode every friday and so much more like a 300 dollars legion athletics monthly giveaway to all of our subscribers complete training programs like the 12-week push-pull leg program that we dropped just a few months ago and exclusive discounts along with so much more sign up for that is in the show notes below and as always we have a special shout out they got a soft spot in our heart our day ones those who are sponsoring today's episode, Legion Athletics, they're our homies. We have literally worked with them from episode one, and you know how much we love and use them on a daily basis from their lactose free weight. Plus, we got our favorite flavors. We argue about them. We're not going to get into that today. <laughs> their bomb rainbow sherbet pre-workout, their high dosed fish oil omega-3 supplements that actually gives you enough to make a difference. We love and use them on a daily basis basis. And if you ever need to re-up on your staples or try some new flavors or products, you can use the Legion link in our bio down below and type in code FSPOD, that's FSPOD, at checkout for 20% off your first order or double points for every order after that. <sighs> I got through without screwing up. Didn't think that was going to happen. <laughs> Tony's brain's a little all over the place. I know. I feel like three different time zones in like the last four days. Traveling will make you feel like you're in like a different reality just because you're so all over the place yeah it's freaking terrible we've been having fun do we even work you've been in disney yeah i, I went tried. to disney I just, world <laughs> i told her to wear the mickey mouse ears but she is not i'm not i, I can't this. fit them over my headphones either so not a good enough disney's fun part? my favorite part was one i've never been like able to go in be an adult in Disney. I never thought that that would be fun, but I went to Epcot for the first time and did the drinking and eating around the world thing, which I ended up drinking more and not really eating much, which wasn't the best because I don't really drink much at all. So it was the first time I drank in quite some time. And I was there from nine till, I got there at like 10 and I was there until 9 PM. So gosh, that's a long day. It was insane. Like I was definitely pacing myself, but that adds up. I, I did not feel good on Sunday. Monday, I started to feel like myself, but I posted a little TikTok of what I ate and drank if you guys want to see it. But there were so many comments under it about how people like to see kind of me being a normal person and just like indulging, eating sugar, eating normal foods. And it's, I feel like 
for some people that's so far within reach, but you have to look at it as like, if you're going to somewhere like Disney World, where when will I go back there? I don't know. So you're going to take advantage of it. Why would I track food? Why would I worry about it? It's if one day. Mickey freaking <laughs> mouse. <laughs> right? It puts into perspective to me how many people think like that about so many things. Yeah. Being that controlled is. by food. It's like one day out of my year, you think I'm going to think about calories and sugar and car- No. I'm not. <laughs> That's my favorite way to put it in perspective because so many people make it seem like that. But it's like if you fast forward six months from now, you could have had twice as much alcohol as you did on Saturday, or you could have had zero at all and quote unquote like behaved. Six months yeah. from like six months from now, you'd be able to have like tell zero difference in your physique. No difference. In your strength, in your muscle, in your gut health, in anything, right? So it's like one yeah. day is just simply not enough if you zoom out. I think so so many people are just so zoomed in on how you feel the next day, how you look the yeah. next week. It am I bloated this week? Am I hangover or am I gonna have a lingering hangover? Yeah. Do I feel did I not feel great for forty eight hours? Yeah, but it's like oh well, worth yeah. it. <laughs> That's just brutal too in the heat because you can keep drinking because it goes through you. And then by the end of a twelve hour day, you realize how much you put in your body and you're like, oh, and then the next day it just feels like you got hit by a boat. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I drank so much water and had liquid IV, so that helped. But not a sponsor. That was my weekend. Thanks. Shout out to Liquid IV for the hangover help. Yeah. Now I'm pumped because you came up with this idea and I'm shocked. I say it every time that we haven't talked about it yet. But we had a it mm-hmm. was one of our actually, I think it was our top ten episodes of all time was the five reasons or the top five reasons that you're not losing weight. But we haven't talked about the flip side of that coin. Right, which is the top five reasons why you're not getting stronger and building muscle, which so many people also run into. I think that's probably yeah. where most people hit plateaus is once you get your goal weight, there just seems to be a ceiling where people run into when it comes to strength and muscle after they've been working out for a few years. And this is what we want to kind of talk about is how to get past that. And if you're wondering too, just sitting here, We've talked about how important muscle is. Do we have a, it was it a protein episode or have we done an episode just on muscle and the importance of? I feel like we've done an episode just on muscle, muscle mattering. I don't remember. We've talked about so much. So in my brain, it feels like we've done an episode on everything, even though we've only done like 80 something episodes. Yeah. But it's important, not just from an aesthetic standpoint, right? From just functional independence or how capable your body is from injury prevention to longevity. We've talked about health span and lifespan, health span is the actual quality of your life that's improved by muscle and strength, regardless of what you want to look like. And then too, if you do have any aesthetic goal, usually more muscle is going to help you from that standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. So muscle is important from every aspect that you look at it. So we put together our list of the top five reasons why you're not building muscle or getting stronger. And there is a slight difference in there. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go down this list. I don't think this is any particular order because they're all pretty common. These yeah. top five reasons. Would you rank any other over the others or no? I don't think so. I think it's pretty like they're all evenly distributed. I don't see. I wouldn't see one that ranks over the other. Maybe there's some that people almost don't believe more than others. But mm. yeah. Yeah. Or maybe more common than others, which yeah. this first one that we're starting off with might. So the top five reasons that you are not building muscle, starting off the list with number five, and we've mentioned this before, but I'm excited that we get to dive deep into it, is that you're working out, not training. You're mm-hmm. working out, not training. And I know a lot of people hear that and they're like, what the is the difference? 
<laughs> What's the difference? What do you mean I work out? Yeah, of course I work out. Now, the best way to guarantee that you're not going to make any progress is to just not go to the gym. The second best way to make sure that you're not making progress is to go to the gym and not have a plan, right? Most people are just working out. They're not training. And I want to almost mm -hmm. put that working out in quotes. And that's why they're not making progress. Working out in the terms that we're using it is doing random exercises, sets, reps, rest times, et cetera. And it's fun, but it's different every single day. And you're not going to make it far past the beginner stage by doing that. One of the biggest problems that we've also talked about with those hit classes like Orange Theory or F45 is that they do something different every single day, which is not a good thing. Now, training on the other side of that, training is a more methodical and intentional plan of working out to achieve a specific goal, right? Where every exercise choice, set and rep count and workout builds from the last one, hitting the same exercises week after week and progressing small parts of that or of each workout every time you go in. And just to kind of give people a little bit more perspective of how this works into it, I'm going to use a, a cooking analogy for you. Ooh, shout out okay. To, shout out to, this one's more tailored <laughs> to you. But just working out is like tossing random ingredients from the fridge into a pot and just hoping it tastes good. A training program is like following a recipe from a master chef or Mariana, right? Each <laughs> ingredient, <laughs> each ingredient or exercise is carefully chosen and the cooking time or sets and reps is precise. This is going to lead to a delicious result, right? Or something that you can actually count on. That's the difference between working out and training and why having a training program is so important, right? Applying progressive mm -hmm. overload is impossible to guarantee if you're just working out. You need structure that you can build off of. And no, it's not as exciting, but it's what makes progress when it comes to muscle and strength, especially past that beginner stage. I think that's the big part of it is you can make progress doing almost anything as a beginner if your nutrition's yeah. lined up, you know, but it's getting past that beginner stage. And that's where I think a lot of this, I think most of these five run into is getting past yeah. that beginner stage. Yeah. And I would say that the people who don't, you see these, a lot of people on TikTok who, who don't, who talk about mostly women, like I stopped strength training and I just started doing like, just, I just started walking or I just started doing Pilates and I leaned out so much. And that's such a small portion of people where those are mostly naturally thin people who don't, who probably are, have more lean muscle mass to begin with and mm -hmm. just changed their diet. And that was enough, like just started eating less. And that was enough to show their lean muscle that genetically they have more of mm -hmm. like that is such a small, small group of people. So if anyone's kind of, I don't know, I feel like I see that a lot now, but. Oh yeah. No, I think that's, it's when people associate someone else doing something or making a change and it's going to automatically apply to them. And that's yeah. where the lean, like the lean, the tone look for 90 plus percent of people is coming from not having enough lean muscle mass underneath body fat, not from having too much body fat. So that's where it can get mm -hmm. confusing as you see your favorite influencer, someone just doing Pilates and you're like, wow, they look great. But it's like, they always have looked like that yeah. is the problem. <laughs> it's not like they just started Pilates and they used to look like you or someone else. And then they transformed into this. It's that they already looked like that to begin with. And that's the genetic mm -hmm. component. And we've done an entire episode, and I'm certain on this one, on progressive overload. And that is the one piece that you need to keep making progress when it comes to muscle and strength. Now, in progressive overload, just a, a quick highlight of that, we're not spending too much time on it, is just progressively applying more tension to your skeletal muscle over time. 
Okay, so giving your muscle the stimulus it needs to adapt and become bigger and stronger. The TLDR version of that is in order to make your muscle get bigger and stronger, you must continually make them work harder than they're used to. And we covered, I mean, there's probably 12 plus different ways that you can apply this from increasing your weights, changing your volume or sets and reps, your efficiency and your range of motion, your tempo, your control, all these things. So if you're still confused on that piece, I would really recommend, and if we can remember, we're going to put that in the show notes, that episode of progressive overload, and you'll start to understand why you need to build a foundation and have repetitive workouts or exercises so you can get better at them week after week. Because how hard would it be just if you're doing random exercises on what you feel like doing that day? Mm -hmm. How could you tell if you've done technically or put more tension on your muscle than you did last week? Mm -hmm. You can't. That's so, so, mm -hmm. so important. And I think we've even got, I mean, we don't have to spend too much time because we have a how to build a training program episode. We have our 12-week yeah. push-pull leg training program written out downloadable over on premium and that progressive overload episode. So we have all those resources, but that is one of the main reasons why people hit plateaus or can't get from beginner to intermediate advanced elite. So that is number five on the list. What is number four? Number four is one that I, people fight me on. You're not eating enough food. This makes people so uncomfortable and yep. they don't want to hear it. And not everyone, this is not going to be everyone's problem, but it is a lot of people mm -hmm. for the large of the fact too, people are afraid to eat more. People are just generally afraid to eat more, especially if you've been doing that dieting cycle for so long, you've been told to eat 1200 calories a day. The truth is if you're not eating enough, you are not going to be able to put on muscle mass. Your body requires a substantial amount of energy to gain muscle. Point blank period. I feel like there's two people who this specific one impacts. Mm -hmm. And it's the person who's been afraid to eat more just because they've been dieting their whole entire life. Yeah. And then I also see the hard gainers or younger guys who especially do this or the people who are like, I literally eat so much food, but I cannot gain weight to save my life. You can divide this into two camps that I see is the general, you're not eating enough calories. And then also you're not eating enough protein. But Starting with the you're not eating just enough calories is there's this misconception that I need to eat as little as possible to get as lean as possible. Mm -hmm. But how can you build muscle if you're depleting it of energy stores? You can't build muscle from nothing. This, you, you just can't. This is the flip and side of energy balance that we talked about last week yes. in the macros episode. It's like if you're built, you can't just create something out of nothing. You have to transfer. Where is that coming from? Yeah. So th and this is going to vary, you know, from person to person. Depending on if weight gain is difficult for you, yeah, you're going to put on a little bit of weight, but for some people putting on muscle, maybe a little bit more difficult than others from a genetic standpoint to eat is going to vary. It's going to depend from person to person. So when people ask how many calories should I be eating to put on muscle mass, I typically will recommend starting with seeing where your maintenance calories are while increasing your training. So starting to eat at maintenance, especially if you've been in, eating in a deficit for so long or just not yeah. tracking at all and focusing on eating your maintenance calories while increasing your training or really honing in on that progressive overload piece, getting consistent with your training, having that training schedule, and then adjusting accordingly. I don't know if you typically would rec you recommend that starting with the maintenance and then I think it, going it just into depends. bulk. It just depends on who you're talking to. The person who's been afraid to eat more and then hard gainers or the people who are like, I literally eat so much food, but I cannot gain weight to save my life. 
For them, it's a different story. But for those who are trying to, yeah, maintenance is a great thing. Because honestly, the cool part is you can still build muscle and strength at just maintenance if you've been dieting for so long, at least initially. Mm -hmm. You'll hit a plateau for sure, but it will get you comfortable with how your body composition actually changes when you eat more food. So I think if you're starting from that dieting only perspective, that is a huge, a great transition or bridge to get you to actually eating in a surplus. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because you're not, if you've been eating 1600 calories a day, jumping up to, you know, increasing by five, 600 calories is not what you want to do. You want to slowly start to increase and make it more realistic. And then typically you don't, if you're going into more of that lean bulk, we have a whole episode on Mm -hmm. how to do a lean bulk properly. You don't need to increase your calories by more than 10% of the calories that you burn each day. So you're finding your total daily energy expenditure, increasing that by 10%. You typically don't need to go above that if you want to do a lean bulk. Some people will. If you really struggle to put on muscle mass, you might need to do a little bit more, but it doesn't need to be that drastic. And it is something that is going to require planning. Our society drills into your head to just eat less, move more, eat less, move more. And when it comes to building muscle and strength, that is not at all the case. And I mean, so many women, they want to build a huge ass and are too afraid to eat more food. And you're not just going to be, it's not going to come from nothing. (laughs) Your ass is not going to come from nothing. It, It can be as simple as that. Just, it has to, you need something to grow. And I feel like that really just leads into the protein piece too. Again, you need to eat sufficient calories Some people may be eating sufficient calories, but not eating enough protein. And we talk about protein all the time, but if you're not eating protein, you will not put on muscle period. It is the building block for building muscle. And it is going to make your life so much easier. It's going to make everything so much easier if people don't do it. And I think one, sometimes people underestimate how much they need. They don't really track it at all, think they're eating enough and actually aren't. So first thing is figuring out how much you need, really understanding that these the essential amino acids, so those are the building blocks of protein, stimulate protein synthesis, building of new muscle. And they prevent your body from, they prevent from using existing muscle as fuel during workouts. So they help prevent that pro- protein breakdown. You're breaking down protein after a workout. You want to minimize that as much as possible so that you can create more protein, build more muscle understanding the why I think can be really helpful with putting this into execution with how it's not just everyone spews in your face, eat protein, eat protein, but really understanding why your body needs it to grow can be helpful. How much you need is going to vary from person to person for putting on lean muscle mass. I typically say around 1.2 grams per pound of lean body mass, Some people will say one to 1.2 can also go on the higher end. I always hate to be hard on my protein recommendations because so many people will have something to say. They just Um, argue it's, but it's not as exact. Like it's, it's not as precise as so many people think it's like the difference between one and 1.2. You're probably not going to notice a difference. Yeah. And people (laughs) will argue and die on that hill for some stupid reason, but Mm -hmm. that's where the calories in versus calories out. And then that progression into if it fits your macros kind of style okay, if you can finally get to the point where you're eating enough calories to gain weight, do you want to gain weight or gain muscle? And that's where the protein Mm -hmm. part comes into it. But I know for most people, it's, they think about getting enough protein, but they don't think about getting enough 
calories. And it's just the flip side. Yeah. Like you are building new muscle tissue. You're building new tissue. And it's like, just like you need to, you know, you lose fat, you need to be in an energy deficit. You need to be in an energy surplus. You need to be taking in more energy to store that energy somewhere. You can't mm -hmm. just make it up. And that's what so yeah. many people forget about. Now, the flip side of the people who are just getting in it is the hard gainers or the guys who have the fast metabolisms who swear that they eat as much food as possible, but they can't physically gain weight. That's a big trend, at least on younger guys too. Mm -hmm. And that could happen from a lot of different reasons. If you're super active, if you're young, you just know those guys who typically can eat a lot more food and they just stay paper thin, yeah. right? Like those kind of guys I know struggle with. That's a huge side of uh, TikTok on itself is going into it. And it's just like the whole thing, it, 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 these crack me up, but you have to eat more food. I already eat mm -hmm. enough food, eat more food. Well, I'm eating and I, I eat so much. I'm not gaining weight. Okay. Eat more food, eat yeah. more food. That's just it. And you can be when... smart about it too. There's so many calorie dense foods. Like, I don't care if you're just like, again, peanut butter is not a good protein source, but if you're still eating enough protein and you have to no, have spoonfuls when... of peanut butter throughout the day, like when you're a hard that's gainer, calories. <laughs> like if you really can't, like if you really can't get enough calories and you cannot gain weight, Calorie dense foods are your best friend. I remember mm -hmm. peanut butter sandwiches on freaking Wonder Bread, I think was what I did in like when I was 16, 17 yeah. years old. Just literally protein or not protein, peanut butter, honey, and Wonder Bread. I know Stan Efferding has the Monster Mash, which is my favorite. Have you heard of that? Yes. Yeah. The Monster Mash. Mm -hmm. I freaking love it. But the goal of the Monster Mash is, I mean, essentially to optimize how many, how many calories you can get in while also paying attention to your gut health, building muscle and strength. I think if I can remember correctly when I was doing this, and it's bomb if you learn how to season it correctly, just 0.5 pounds of ground bison or half a pound of ground bison, two cups of whole white rice, three to four whole eggs. You mix that all together. You bake it. You stir it in a pot, whatever it is. I know some people add bone broth in there as well. Mm -hmm. I never tried that. And then if you want to add some like whole fresh cheese, whatever cheese I like cheddar cheese a little bit more, but whatever cheese you want, you mix that all together. It does look like monster mash. It looks disgusting. You put a little salt on there. Oh my goodness. And you could have one bowl that's carrying like 80, 90 to hundred grams of protein. And you're mm -hmm. eating 1000, 2000 calories, depending on how big you make it. It can be insane, but whole eggs, oils, nut butters, and nuts, those very calorie dense foods. If you can get enough protein and you're one of those guys that again, swears they can't eat enough to gain weight find those calorie dense sources. As long as you're getting enough protein, if you can get enough calories to where you're now gaining weight, you're going to be putting on muscle if you're not going overboard. Yeah, that's the big part of it. That oh, that just threw me back. I loved Monster Mash. Yeah, that I is bring that back in my life. I love ground like, and for and if you aren't a person that can just like, eats like really, really struggles to put on muscle. I know this is largely in the camp, like you see this a lot with younger men there are definitely women too but it's not yeah. as common especially just from a hormonal standpoint we are more predisposed because of our hormones to hold on to a little bit more fat because of what our bodies are primed to do which is carry a child there's no way around that but you could still like these i kind of split it up if you are a person that is trying to eat a little bit more but you still have to be cautious about how much you're increasing if you're looking at proteins focus on the lean meats so maybe having like if you're getting ground bison or you could get ground chicken ground turkey get a leaner version of it versus if you struggle to put on weight get a higher fat version same goes with milks and cheeses get a zero percent greek yogurt if you're trying to be a little bit more cautious of how many calories versus getting a full fat it's those little changes that can make it a bit easier either way 
other just general good protein sources, any meats, turkey, chicken breasts, shrimp, white fish are also great. Those are definitely more lower calorie, but still high protein. Salmon is great. That's a more fuller fat fish, super high in protein, also omega-3s. Tuna is also an awesome choice. And then higher protein dairies like Greek yogurt, cottage cheese. And then if you are a more plant-based vegan vegetarian option, typically the, the best source is tofu and tempeh because they are soy-based, which is a the only complete plant protein. Beans, legumes are also good, but those would be kind of a secondary protein choice because they don't contain all of the essential amino acids. Um, I don't like that's tofu. protein. Protein's important. Like not not everyone likes tofu. No. Uh, I'm biased. I love tofu, but you have to like it's not easy. Like you have to prepare it. You have to make it well. And then still, some people don't like it. It's a texture thing, which I totally yeah. get. Also, don't shy away from carbs either. If you're eating enough food, you want to make sure you're still paying attention to all of your macronutrients too. But it's still ingrained in a lot of people's brains that, you know, carbs should be yeah. limited. Carbohydrate consumption stimula stimulates insulin release, which indirectly stimulates growth of hormones to build muscle. Very important. Carbs also provide your body with energy too, which you'll need to put effort into your workouts. And so you have enough energy to work out three, four, five days a week. And it's just, it, it's one less thing to, to worry about, I think, is being stressed about limiting your carbs. I just wanted to yeah. put that in there because well, I people still forget. I mean, bot, like professional bodybuilders will use insulin, even if they're not diabetic, if their pancreas can function and produce its own insulin, they will use synthetic insulin like Novolog or something like that that I would take because my pancreas is an a-hole. They will take that because insulin is so anabolic. And people forget that insulin is a good thing when it comes to building muscle, especially if you time it right. I'm not a big fan. I don't really still know if people use it as much because it doesn't really translate if your pancreas is already producing insulin, yeah. but it's a very powerfully anabolic hormone. Mm -hmm. And people forget that a lot of time and carbs are going to be a big source of where you get that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then just one last note on the nutrition piece, just like having a plan of action is important for your workouts and not just going in blind doing something different every day. It's important to also track your food, not forever, but especially if you're at this point where I don't know what I what to do. I don't know how much protein I should be should be eating. I don't know what's enough. Getting an idea of what that looks like requires tracking. And for some people, you don't want to track forever. Okay, we'll just do it for a month and kind of again get that idea of what you should be eating where you're at. You don't have, if it's something that you really hate doing, you don't have to, you do not have to do it for a long time, but going in blind is just going to make the process much more difficult. That's the reality of it. So. Yeah. Just like when you struggle to lose weight or anything, if you don't know what's going in, what's going out, it's like, you can't really pinpoint why you're not making yeah. progress. If you're measuring the data, you can at least identify why mm -hmm. that's important. So that was numero cuatro. I don't know how to say now to trace. trace. I tried to practice my Spanish when I was in the Dominican Republic. My The resort didn't speak any English. So I was using Google Translate like a mofo. And I did not improve my Spanish speaking skills at all. Really? When I was I in did Colombia, learn... I like my Spanish just came back to me. Well, good I don't for know. You. I learned that un poco is a little bit rather than pequeño. Because I think someone was like, Do you, uh, they were asking if I wanted milk. Leche as they say yeah yeah and i was like oh pequeño and they're like they look at me like un poco i'm like oh that's what it is anywho 
back to English. Number three, right? Third reason why you are not gaining muscle or strength is you're not training hard enough. You're not lifting heavy enough weights. You're not training hard enough. And these are all big reasons, but this one's huge, especially people that are just going through the motions. I think at this sub point. Now, most people when working out on their own, just do not push themselves hard enough to keep building muscle after that beginner stage. And a cool study was done from researchers in Brazil that highlighted this. They instructed individuals to choose a weight that they would normally do for 10 reps on the bench press. So they asked them, okay, how many, how much weight would you put on? Your goal is to do only 10 reps on the bench press. After that, they then had them actually do that weight for as many reps as they possibly could, like until they had to physically pull the weight off their chest. So complete failure. And here's what they found. Only 22% of people got 10 to 12 reps with that weight, which is usually where you want to be, or most people would argue where you want to be for building muscle and strength, at least past the beginner stage, 22%. So one in five people were training hard enough in that sector. 31% got 13 to 15 reps, right? Meaning they left about three to five reps left in the tank, which I wouldn't consider being junk volume, which we'll talk about in a little bit because it has a little bit of a use, but you're going to have a very hard time if most of your training is coming in that three to five rep range, making long-term progress going from beginner to intermediate to advanced. 47%, 47% of them were able to do 16 to 20 plus reps with the weight that they thought they could only do 10 with. Nowhere close to failure. Almost half of people that were doing this, right? And I think this is why most people run into this problem especially if you're newer to weight training or you haven't had a coach or you haven't had a team or a per, like a partner to really push you. It's like when you first try to ride a bike without training wheels, most people, and this is the funny part, most people wouldn't pedal fast enough, right? Or they wouldn't lean too much to one side because they were afraid they're going to fall or get hurt. But usually pedaling a little bit faster, going faster, leaning harder in, that's usually the extra push that gets the balance and bike moving smoothly. Right. So just like in the gym, when people play it safe and they're not pushing themselves too close to failure, they're not going to make it past the, like the beginning stage. That's just where it comes down to. And a good test for this. And we're going to talk about the RPE scale, which we did in a round, we did an, a round robin on that, right? Yeah, we did. We also just got a question on our premium page about this. So hope we'll be able to direct them to this Ooh, as well. Probably this week. Mm -hmm. Anywho, the RPE scale is a great way to account for this, but I mean, test yourself out, right? Do what the researchers did on yourself. Go into the gym, pick whatever weight that you think you could do. I would say an exercise that you could feel safely on. So maybe instead <laughs> of a chest press, doing like a machine chest press instead of a bench press where the bar might just crush your head. But choose an exercise that's safe to fail on. Choose what weight you think you could do 10 times. And then just physically go, not until you're tired and you don't want to do another rep, but until you physically cannot press the bar further see how many reps you actually get, right? Test yourself. And that's where I know we talk about this all the time, but we're not huge fans of training to failure consistently. And that's because you're just usually going to rack up more fatigue without any more hypertrophy benefits, but training to failure has its place. So you can actually, I think, test yourself and see where the hell you are, how much weight you should be lifting because mm -hmm. so many people just keep coasting for months and months without checking themselves and saying, where do I need to be? And I know we talked about the RPE scale back then. So if, again, we can remember, we'll link it. But if not, it was in a round robin episode from a few, I think just months ago. The RPE scale, it's essentially, it just means the rate of perceived exertion. It's a scale that you're rating yourself on a scale of one to 10, right? Just to help you measure how hard you're exerting yourself during exercise 
based on the weight you were using. And essentially the goal of it is to make a more subjective rating into a more objective number. And that's why it relates back to RIR, how many reps you have left in the tank at the end of the set. So we're not going to spend too much time on what that is or the breakdown because we did a really, that was a really clear breakdown. I think we did before, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. that's a huge reason why I think people aren't making progress. And honestly, this just popped in my head. If you're constantly training to failure, <laughs> you might be training too hard to rack this up because we talked about this. I don't even know if we had an episode, but if you're constantly taking things to failure, your fatigue builds up quick. And although you might be able to work and do more reps or more weight on that first exercise or two, by the third, fourth or fifth exercise that you're doing that day, you're going to be gassed. You're going to be wasting your time, wasting your sets because you can't put up half the weight that you could be if you actually just stopped yourself a few reps short. So you could actually keep going throughout the entirety of a workout rather than the first 15 minutes. That's the one reason I see training to failure being useful. Do you, how often do you use training to failure with clients, with yourself? Definitely in, in the beginning. So if you're just starting a new training program, or even if you haven't been trained, you took a break to kind of see what you're at. But I would say I kind of gauge it in terms of how, so in the beginning and then kind of based on how much you're progressing. So, so definitely if you feel like you're in this plateau period, finding, okay, like, let's go back. How close are you training to failure? Getting that understanding for some people, it's like, holy, you, it's like that epiphany of like, oh my God. I thought I was training close to failure, but I haven't been at all. Yeah. This is actually, this is it. And then we get back there, start progressing again. So I kind of just use that as a gauge throughout and then make sure, okay, once we start to feel like we're not progressing as often, let's just mix in a time where we're training to failure, seeing where that is again. Yeah. I mean, so I catch myself, depends. I've been training for 10 years and I still catch myself on some of the accessory movements like bicep curls or something like yeah. that, where I'll just be using the rate because that's the weight that I've always picked up for the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And then I'll take it yeah. to actually failure on the last set. And I'm like, oh, I was kind of being a bitch. I yeah. could have gone a little bit bigger. But to the flip side of that, and I remember, I forget, I think it was that episode. And we reviewed a pretty cool systematic review, I think, from the University of Sydney. And it was looking over eight different studies that were actually comparing training to absolute failure versus just stopping short failure or one to three reps up. And you noticed a big jump in hypertrophy or size gain, yes. But I think this is where a lot of people run into a strength plateau is that there was a consistent advantage to the non-failure group, the non-failure training group, right? The people leaving one to three reps left in the tank, specifically when it came to strength increases. And especially as you go on or especially intermediate to advanced, you do need to get stronger if you want to continue getting bigger, right? You need to keep being able to lift more weight over time. And that's where so many people get confused because they think if they want a bit stronger, those lower rep, heavy weight exercises that you need to be taking it to failure. I'll notice this when I put just a stupid example, when I post my morning, if I like do a bench press and I do 315 for three reps and people will comment back and they'll be like, why'd you stop? Like you could have kept going. I'm like, yeah, that was my RPE, like five or six. Like I intentionally left four or five reps left in the tank so I can get better at that movement. And we did that whole strength training episode with Joe Stanek a while back. And we highlighted how important that is. Your strength is almost more neurological, just going through the motion, getting better at it than anything else. So specifically when it comes to strength, but even muscle size, that's a big one. Mm -hmm. That's a big one. So that was number three. Shall we go to number two and one? And two and one kind of go hand in hand, mm -hmm. right? Two and one, I think are, are two sides of the same coin. 
but I'm excited to talk about this because we haven't actually talked too deep on this. Number two is that you're overtraining, overtraining, which the flip side, maybe you could think of coming up next for number one. Have we talked about junk volume in depth on this podcast? Eh, I can't, I really can't remember us talking so. about it. No, I don't think so. Junk volume, mm-hmm. a term that's thrown around quite a bit and something that's getting in the way of a lot of people's progress. Now in the bodybuilding world, junk volume just refers to any training you do that takes up time and energy, but essentially just has no added benefit as far as building muscle or strength. So junk volume, I know you can think of it like this. Think of it like a glass of water. Okay. Your workout is pouring water into that glass, the right amount of volume. And we're going to talk about what that means is going to fill up your glass without spilling junk volume is if you just keep pouring water, you keep spending energy, you keep pouring it in and it just overflows, right? All that extra energy, but it's not adding anything to that cup, mm-hmm. right? So that's what junk volume is. And that's measured mainly in two different ways. And I've been more obsessed with the second way I'm going to talk about, because we've talked about optimal volume as in how many sets per muscle group you're doing per week, right? We've talked about that quite a few times, oh, yeah. Yeah. I think on this podcast. Yeah. So how many sets you're doing per muscle group per week, which And again, you could argue this, but for most people that falls between 10 and 20 hard sets, meaning close to failure per week, per muscle group for optimal growth. Now that's per week. Most people don't take it a step further and think, what about per day? I think that's where a lot of people, this is a fresh new idea, right? So for example, and I I did this over on social too, let's say you do one hard set of bicep curls at 10 repetitions, right? One hard set, meaning you take it close to failure that one set would be considered an effective set for stimulating muscle growth. And if you did two sets, almost identical, they would both be equally effective for muscle growth. But what if you did 10 sets of bicep curls? What if you did 15? What if you did 20? What if you did 30? Like at some point it's going to tip off, right? And you're not going to make as much progress, meaning you're not going to make as much progress doing 30 sets. You're not going to make 30 times more progress doing 30 sets on bicep curls as you do one set. And there was a really cool paper that looked over this. There was nine different studies. And I think we, if anything, I think we brought it up in the premium version, but the goal of that paper was to figure out where that cutoff point is. And although there's going to be a big variance, because we've talked about recovery profiles on that big recovery podcast, but most people on average, they found that after you do six to eight sets on one muscle in a single workout, muscle growth and progress starts to level out, meaning you're not going to make more progress doing 10 or 12 or 20 sets in that workout as if you just did six to eight hard sets. And that's a lower number than I think most people think. Yeah. Do yeah. you? And I mean, well, there's, and this is, there's so much nuance to this. And I think we'll probably spend more time maybe on a round robin in the future for it. There's so much nuance because some muscle groups like your glutes or your quads, your back, your triceps, they usually respond better to higher volumes than lower volumes. But that surprised me because that really pushes more of our idea of maybe the bro split's not as great as people think if you're doing all of those 15 or 20 sets in one workout versus spreading them out from two to three in like a push pull leg and upper lower or a full body split where you're doing less than six to eight sets per day, you're getting so much more out of it throughout the course of a week. So that's the the Mm -hmm. part of junk volume that I don't think most people realize if you're doing 20 sets on your chest in one day, most of those sets are probably going to be wasted time. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, what do you, what is the point if you, I mean, some people have all this time and I want to spend all this time at the gym, but again, then that could get into this. So you're not, this overtraining piece can still 
you can still do too much. One, you don't have to, but also that could lead to other problems down the road if you're just overtraining your muscles to that degree and also not prioritizing recovery. Because like you, oh sorry, what? I I just feel I feel like you see this a lot in the just the mindset of more is better, like yeah, go as hard as I can, push myself to the brink of absolutely fucking dying in the gym, and that's the sign of a good workout. Like, no. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's especially but. younger. I feel like younger dudes, younger, a lot, right? yeah, when you have sure. more, when you have more free time, you can spend like two, two and a half hours in the gym and you're just smashing 30 freaking sets mm-hmm. on your chest because it's not even to the point where it's wasted. Meaning there's not a point where it just stops making progress, but there's a point it's different for everybody that the progress starts moving backwards. Meaning doing more is actually getting you less in terms of results. And that's where junk volume leads up to it. And that's where a lot of people, especially I I've actually noticed this with a lot of females when it comes to glute training, when mm-hmm. they come in and that's one of their goals is they're like, and they send me the, their workout program, or if it's a new client and they send me their workout program and it's four or five days a week. And it is, I'm talking, I've seen 40 to 50 sets plus in a week on just glute training. And it's like, I just don't know what else I can do. I'm doing them every single day. That's the problem. That's the that's problem. Of, yeah. We're not doing it. And I would even argue most of the time, I would say almost every time, if you're doing that much volume on any one muscle group, especially your glutes that even do respond to higher volumes, I promise that you're not working hard enough during each of those sets, or you could not physically do 40 or 50 sets during a week. Yeah. If you were truly taking it that close to failure, there's no chance you could recover in time. And a lot of it's, it's mixed with like 60 or 90 second recovery periods. It's like, no you're able to do that because we're not training hard enough. And that's going back to the lifting too light or not lifting heavy enough weights. But I noticed that's a big thing on, I don't know if you've noticed that too. Glute training is a huge culprit. Yeah, no, definitely. And then I feel like the other, like we're talking about over training here, what you can also see aside from junk volume is over training from a cardio standpoint. So doing too much cardio and yes, it's kind of intuitive. If you're doing too much cardio, you're not really strength training. Yeah, that makes sense. You need to strength train to build muscle. But this is in the this can even be combined with you have a solid workout program and you're still doing too much cardio. You're doing an hour and a half of cardio every single day. Yes, that exists. If some people are like, that's insane. No, that yeah. definitely is there. Very real. And that's going to affect your ability to gain muscle, especially if you aren't especially if you are one of those people who isn't eating enough food or you're kind of just eating at maintenance and you're doing that much cardio every single day, you're not going to be able to put on muscle because of that. And I feel like a lot of people don't think about that. And cardio shouldn't be your priority when it comes to building muscle, Uh, but people still get really obsessed with it. And it's still, and it can help to a point because I know there's some yeah, people for that, sure, for that sure. and that's not, cause we're not, I, I know the only reason I'm saying that is because every time that I say cardio shouldn't be prioritized, if you want to build muscle and strength, people automatically hear Tony and Mariana hate cardio and you should never do it. I'm big no team. Cardio that. is so good for you. Everyone should do cardio in the routine. Everyone should move. Very important. Well, uh, and having a good cardiovascular <laughs> system can help you recover from exercise better allowing you to do more over the course of the week, which will allow you to keep progressing further, especially in those later stages. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people get stuck on the edge of intermediate or advanced to elite 
because they just, their bodies can't handle anymore. And a lot of it's because they don't even think about cardio. They don't think about it. Mm -hmm. And yes, weight training improves your cardiovascular health to a point. But if you actually work on it through cardio, you can handle more. You can recover quicker, recover better. And that's what I see people doing. But you got to realize they're signaling in two different ways, right? Weight training is signaling to build muscle. Cardio, for the most part, is signaling in the other direction. Mm-hmm. And it, you can't just pull in both ways or you just stay stuck in the middle. And especially yeah. those people who are adding it directly before their training or even too long after their training really don't realize how much they're breaking down. It's catabolic to a point. Mm-hmm. And that is, it's funny that you say that because in my mind, I'm like, who the hell is doing an hour of cardio? But it's so many people on yeah. these programs, especially when it's like we mentioned above the people who have been dieting their whole lives. The answer is always eat less, more cardio, and it just becomes mm-hmm. normal. Oh. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. So. But this, the flip side of this coin, right? Leading us into number one. So there's overtraining. And the direct flip side of that is under recovering, not prioritizing recovery, not doing it at all. We have a whole episode on recovery, but I see this one I see all the time, especially in younger people, because you just don't take it seriously. And again, it comes down to understanding what is weight training doing to your body? Weight training creates millions of little micro tears in the muscle tissue. It damages your muscle. Good. It it should do that. That's what's happening. But the actual muscle building, the repair and growth of new muscle tissue takes place outside of the gym when you're resting and when you're sleeping. That's when you see growth and that happens in the recovery period. So if you are not getting enough rest, just period, you're not taking any rest days, you're training seven days in a row, that can delay and or stunt your muscle growth. And I feel like a yeah. lot of people never even think about that because the idea of a rest day is just so stressful. You're going to lose your gains. It's really actually the opposite is true. If yeah. you're not prioritizing that recovery at all, that's going to affect you. And it's not just the, the muscles that need recovery. It's your whole neurological system, your tendons, your joints, even your brain, so that you can perform better in the gym with enough rest. Yeah. And that is something that everyone needs to remind themselves. Without enough rest, the muscles don't have time to repair and grow. Period. Sounds crazy because people get so stressed out on a rest day. But if you're thinking about how good a rest day is for muscle building, hopefully that can help you prioritize a rest day a little bit more. So that's just Uh, a rest day period. And then other aspects of Yeah, what are you doing during those rest days? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, again, if you are not recovering enough, you're also putting yourself in a position where you're putting too much stress on the body. So if you're not prioritizing any stress relief, if you're not paying attention to your stress at all, when it comes to, you know, training too much or just in your life, too much stress also has physiological implications as well that can hinder hinder muscle growth. We've talked about stress all the time. It's important to prioritize stress management, but I feel like people don't think about that in the context of Mm -hmm. muscle growth. So chronic stress can decrease anabolic processes such as muscle building indirectly. Chronic stress shifts your hormonal balance, can lower levels of anabolic hormones that promote the growth of skeletal and lean muscle mass, and increase the levels of hormones that promote muscle breakdown. 
So we want to make sure that we're prioritizing some sort of stress management daily. We talk about breath work all the time, doing some breath work in the morning, five, five minute meditation, doing some yoga, reading. Do, if you don't like any of that stuff, if, you, if that's something you really hate, some sort of creative outlet that you take time. If it's 10 minutes of your day where it's just for you, just turning your brain off and not thinking about every single other thing you have going on. Some people like to paint. Some people like to knit. Doing something that is has zero productivity and is just pure enjoyment, that is so, so good for your mental health, your physical health, and just allows you to take a little bit of a step back, especially yeah. if you have that chronic stress in your day-to-day -day life. So, Well, that's a good point because I think when most people think of recovery, they think of just not moving their body, like, like the physical side of recovery mm -hmm. and not the mental side, which goes into how you perform feel which matters way more over time zoom out yeah if you can if you can perform consistently high for 12 months you're gonna make so much more progress than if you can sprint for 30 days 45 days mm -hmm. 60 days but then you crash and get burnt out because you just don't prioritize that mental aspect mm -hmm. and then keep doing that over and over and over again you will make so much more progress being able to do that 12 months straight rather yeah. than one or two months on and then burnt out again yeah. so much more because so many people and the physical aspects important too and again we'll probably link it that recovery episode is so 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 big including active recovery what you're actually doing i know some people who i don't want to say are addicted to the gym but i've had clients before where getting them to not do something was a massive win for us yeah no, where they would so be real. in the yeah they'd be in the gym six seven days a week and a big win would be getting us down to maybe five or six, but it would still be to the point where on their off days they'd be like oh well I went on a ten mile hike, did an Orange Theory class, and did X Y Z. It's like okay hey that's not recovering. That's not like, rest that's, at all. <laughs> that's not rest. That's just not lifting weights in the gym. And active recovery mm -hmm. like walking to a point, going on a hike can be a great thing, but if the entire day you are physically working or pushing yourself, that's not rest. Mm -mm. that's not rest and recovery. And I think so many people who have a hard time stepping away from the gym, that can be tough because yeah. to some people, the mental health aspect or their outlet is the gym mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And that's where you yeah. could find maybe other outlets like going to the gym to do yoga or just if you like spend time in the gym, go to the gym for an hour and work on a mobility routine where you're not lifting weights, but you're actually getting better at improving your mobility, your functional movements. You can still go to the gym and rest, but don't push it, right? Don't just floor it. And another big aspect that we didn't talk on in the sleep episode, because I know sleep is such a massive component of this. And that episode was more dialed into how to fix your sleep, how to fix better. It wasn't the mechanisms behind sleep. And so many mechanisms that happen during that quality sleep come into play when you're trying to build muscle and get stronger. Because I know we did, we did a little, what do you call those? Like a little vote, a yes or no vote. Is there a better word for that? Or is it just a, a poll? A poll. A poll. A poll. There we go. A poll. We did a poll after that episode. And it's like, hey, do y'all want to learn about the mechanisms of sleep? Like what's actually happening? And I think it got like 98% of people said yes. And this is where a lot of them come into play. And I know you mentioned the hormonal impact of, I mean, just sleep we mentioned, but three of the biggest aspects of sleep are the hormonal benefits that you get from quality sleep. And before we actually get into those, I do want to mention, it's very hard to control a study where you are depriving people of sleep long-term hmm. because it's not very ethical. So it's very hard to say, you know, over a time span where you could actually notice significant muscle gain or strengthening like three or six months 
you can't just say, okay, let's sleep deprive this group for six months of five hours of sleep. You can't do that, right? So it's very hard, but this is where the mechanisms do come into play. And we talked about this one, as little as one week sleep deprivation lowers testosterone to levels of someone that is a decade older than you, right? You produce significantly less, and this research is so clear on this, significantly less growth hormone, being that over 70 plus percent of your daily growth hormone is produced in the first stages of deep sleep. Very anabolic hormones, those two for recovery. And then cortisol, like you said, a very catabolic hormone to a point, decreases during the initial sleep hours. And it seems to actually spike the night following a bad night sleep. So if you're constantly ignoring sleep, going out late, doing these things, and you're not prioritizing sleep, your endocrine system is now pulling you backwards. And that's not even until we get to muscle protein synthesis. And this is actually one of the few studies I could find where they actually compared groups where they did sleep deprive people for a shorter period of time. Where I don't know the if I want groups, to hear this. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. The two groups that they compared, they limited one to 5.5 hours or five and a half hours of sleep per night and the other getting eight and a half hours of sleep per night. And it was over a short term, but participants lost roughly the same amount of weight. I thought this was cool during the course of this study, same amount of weight and it was geared towards weight loss. But the group that slept 8.5 hours, right? Or I guess when they slept 8.5 hours, more than half of the weight they lost came from fat where the group that only slept five and a half hours, only a quarter of that weight loss came from fat, meaning they lost almost all muscle. So during the five hour or five and a half hour sleep condition, participants lost more than 50% of that weight coming from fat-free body mass, mostly coming from muscle and only 20% from that eight and a half hour group. So sleep is going to be your friend. And mm -hmm. we talked about recovery profiles. If you're checking on the boxes when it comes to sleep and active recovery, you can probably handle training a little bit more than someone who's not. But I'll tell you, like, I think I've said this before, I've never made more progress from a strength or muscle standpoint than when I went down from five and six days training week down to four. Never made more progress, quicker progress in my life because the training sessions were so much better. My recovery was so on point and I could be yeah. consistent with it for so much longer. I've never made more progress training four days per week. And that's just me, but I don't know if you, cause you've had similar experiences with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you have so much more energy one, like, I mean, there's multiple reasons, but you have so much more energy to put into those workouts. You don't realize how much training six days a week hard affects your energy levels until you stop doing that. I, I at least that's what I've personally noticed, but that was big. I feel like that's one of the biggest pieces, but then also it gives more room to prioritize recovery and your body is able to build more efficiently, especially if you're in at a point where, especially if you're training really hard on those six days, that's not leaving that much room to recover in between sessions. So no, again, not at you, all. Could, and you could do it. You could do it if you have that, like some people recovery is still a top priority and they are working out six days a week and it works, but not the majority of people, especially with, if yeah. you're working, you have kids, life, and it, sometimes it's a little hard. <laughs> and it comes down to that first piece we talked about today, the training versus working out. I've seen plenty of people and you can make an insane amount of progress training six days per week if you're managing your training volume each day, if you're spacing things out in the correct way. Mm -hmm. Not just that training six days a week will give you more progress than four days per week. It depends on what you're doing in those days. Because a lot of the time, what you would be doing over six days, if you're training four days a week, would really just be condensed into there. It's not like you're doing just more of those same intensity workouts. It's just more or less condensed. And that's where so many people 
that do train six days a week, the people who love being in the gym six or seven days, they're also usually the type of person who's going to do too much in a single session on top of that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it really does come down to your recovery profile, which I forgot how good that episode was, the recovery episode. That was one of my favorites. Yeah, it was a good one. And that was only like a month or so ago. All right. So I think that rounds out the top five list. So to keep it fresh in your head, number five, if you're just working out, not training, that's a big reason why you might not be building muscle, right? Get on a program, get on a plan. We got $5 a freaking month. We got that 12 week push pull leg program, probably the cheapest one you'll ever find anywhere. Number four, you're not eating enough and not just protein, but food overall, right? You might not be eating enough food. Number three, you're not training hard enough or lifting heavy enough. Like we just talked about number two being that you're overtraining or the flip side of that, that you're under recovering. So if you feel like you've hit a plateau, if you're past that beginner stage, or if you're struggling to get from intermediate to advanced or advanced to elite, do a little self-assessment, see where you might be missing. Because I know if I do a self-assessment, I could find one or two of these spots too, where I might not be doing the right things. Yeah. And that's all it takes sometimes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I like wonder that. which episode is going to perform better. The top five reasons why you're not Pro- losing weight. Probably, probably the weight loss one. Probably the weight loss. Probably <laughs> the weight loss one. Even though this one was, yeah. I like this one. This one's more fun. But that's all we got, y'all. So we'll see everybody in premium this Friday over on our AMA. Everybody else have a very productive week. And we'll be back after that. Anything you want to say? Final notes? No. <laughs> I, <laughs> we need to have a good closing. One of these, if anyone has an idea, let us know. But we'll ask Chat GPT. Other we, than we, we got to get better. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be better. We don't. I was gonna say we're sorry, but sorry doesn't mean it. We're not sorry. We're gonna be better. That's what you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be better. All right. Talk to y'all later. We should ask Chat GPT for real. I know.